And welcome to this week's edition of Gator Bites here on the 1010XL.com podcast network. Also on the 1010XL.com Florida Gators Facebook page with Denny Thompson, the hacker Ryan Green with you. Denny, how are you, my man? Fantastic, man. How are you doing? Doing well. Doing well. Little guy's now a little over two weeks old and uh, going on about three hours of sleep on a nightly basis. So uh, starting to catch up with me a little bit. But three hours? Are, yeah, about That's three it? hours. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's tough. It, it's rough, man. It's rough. But it's a life of love. No question about it with the little guy back at the house. A good week for the Florida Gators in a couple aspects. Bad week for the Florida Gators in a couple other aspects. Let's touch upon it real quick. We're recording this. We're taping this on Wednesday. Uh, yesterday was a bad day for the Florida Gator baseball team. They probably needed one, maybe two wins to feel really good about their chances of making the NCAA tournament where they lose in extra innings to Texas A&M yesterday in round number one of the SEC tournament. I did not know there was something as uh, baseball bracketology, Denny, but apparently there is. Florida was one of the last five in, according to ESPN.com yesterday. Certainly the loss uh, doesn't help their chances. They are squarely on the bubble when the baseball field gets announced in the next couple of days. I think it goes to show you how, quite frankly, spoiled Gator fans have been by the success of the team, the success of Kevin O'Sullivan and everything he's brought there, this is the first time in a while they're going to have to sweat out whether they get a berth or not in the tournament. Which is why I think they get in. Yeah. I mean, exactly what you just said. It's kind of like if Kentucky's on the bubble in basketball, they're going to get in. Um, I think the same thing with, with Florida. Florida, the recent success they've had, really, I mean, going into this year, I think if you were to rank the programs um, in college baseball, you can make an argument they were number one overall. Uh, certainly in the top three going into the year. As, as, as the overall state of the program, I, I don't think they leave that out. I, I, I just I just don't think that happens. I mean, the question is very similar to what the Florida basketball team was. What do they do even if they get in? Right. I mean, that's right. the bigger question. And, and, look, if they get in, odds are they're going to, to Miami or somewhere like that. They'll be an overwhelming underdog to get out of the regional. But I do think, just like we talked about in Gator basketball, it's better to get in than not get in. If you get in and get knocked out early, well, at least you made it in. I think it's going to be a very bitter taste in the mouths of Gator players, coaches, and the fan base if they were to get left on the front porch here's I guess, where when I, it's announced on Monday. Here's where I think this is different, though, than basketball. Baseball's a funny game, man. You can get in and get hot. Yeah. Get hot bats, and next thing you know, you're putting up nine, ten runs a game. You, you get in and get a favorable matchup on the mound, and, and that's a win. Um, I mean, there's so many variables in baseball that make an upset easier. And and on top of that, by the way, that logo holds a lot of weight in the baseball world. You're still playing Florida. It may not be the same Florida that it was two years ago, but you're still playing Florida. I mean, I, the basketball team, I was certain. When they got in, like, okay, well, this isn't going to go well. Right. The and baseball they, and they team, Nevada, no. though, I mean, they did, and I didn't think they would. Right, I didn't think they would. But the baseball team, like, it wouldn't surprise me. It wouldn't. It, it wouldn't surprise me either way. It wouldn't surprise me if they get go in and get bounced right away. It wouldn't surprise me if they get in and get get out that first weekend. You know, final thought on baseball: If Florida doesn't make it in, or obviously the expectations for the Gators aren't very high, and I understand we're doing a Gator podcast here. Do you think there's any sentiment locally in the Jacksonville area? I'm not going to say you're going to root for Florida State to win a title. I don't want to go that far. But I personally, we've talked about this, Mike Martin's final year. Uh, I, I would like to see, if Florida's out of it, I would like to see Florida State do well. Hell no. Does that mean, well, no, and, and the reason I say it is this, <laughs> all right, and, and I think Gator fans have a different perspective than we do. 
I've had the chance to meet Mike Martin on several uh-huh. different I got occasions. You. I got you. He's a great guy, uh-huh. an absolutely great guy. And I think it's unfortunate that everything he's accomplished in the game of college baseball is kind of overshadowed by the fact that he doesn't have a championship. And I think that's a shame if that's the way it were to end. I'm fine with it. <laughs> I'm perfectly fine You're if fine Mike Martin – yeah, if he rides into the sunset – Without a championship, they ain't winning it. No. I don't think they will either. No, they're having I mean, a down year like Florida is. Yeah, it's that's one of the most overlooked stats in baseball is that Florida, Florida State series domination of Florida. It's just weird. Like Florida State's a really good program, and the way they've been dominated by Florida lately, and by lately, I mean the last what seven years. It's like ten in a row, right? Ten, eleven in it's, a row. But the like the thing that's crazy, I want to say it's twenty four out of the last twenty five. That's a big streak. That's insane. No, to answer your question directly, no. I hope Mike Martin gets bounced immediately. <laughs> you know, Gator baseball. We'll see what happens. Gator basketball. We're still a long time away from the season getting underway. We're here starting in the this month podcast with basketball and baseball. Well, we'll huh? get we'll get to recruiting. I just I want to. That's throw not what out, I signed up for, Hacker. I throw out a couple of things. The reason I'm throwing out basketball. The non-conference schedule was released. Um, Florida got in trouble last year because they played a tough non-conference schedule and they lost like 75% of those games. It's great to play a tough non-conference schedule if you're getting W's. You know, if you're not getting W's, I don't know how much it helps you. And again, Florida is going to play some really good opponents before the SEC slate starts up Who? in early January. Well, you got a couple tournaments they're going to be in where they're going to play some you big Florida opponents. State. Florida State, who's beat them five years in a right. row. Uh, Butler is, is, is UConn still good? Well, UConn's UConn. They're certainly better than most non-conference teams you would see. Do you like the fact that the Gators play tough games before the SEC slate begins? Okay, here's my view on this. To answer your question, yes, I do. I do. But a couple weeks ago we had this whole conversation about the Michigan job. And I said, looks like it's going to Jawan Howard, right? Which I think is is crazy. The guy's never been a head coach. Well, no, this what Penny Hardaway is doing at Memphis is helping so much. Penny Hardaway's got best recruiting class in the country, doesn't he? Fair, yeah, he does. I I think that's helping a lot. But here's my point on this: is I made the 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 point on this podcast that Michigan's a far better job than Florida, and I heard from fifteen people. Uh, no, no, you're crazy. It's not a better job. Well, if it's not a better job, then that means that Florida should play those non-conference schedules, and we really shouldn't be looking at any of these as huge games. Because I'm looking at the tournaments. I'm looking at all that kind of stuff. If you're telling me that Florida and Michigan, not you specifically, but if y'all are telling me that Florida and Michigan are on the same playing field on a basketball uh, court, then they should play schedules that should include North Carolina, and Michigan, and Michigan State, and all those guys. Like, like if, if that's where we're at as a program, then that's where we're at. I like it because I, I do think you win three of those and it helps your tournament chances. If I don't think any of us anticipate Florida having an issue getting the NCAA tournament next year. Uh, no, no, but you're counting on a lot of unknowns. Right. You're counting it, on a lot of freshmen, and we still don't know about Andrew Nemhard who has not Fair. announced that he's coming back. Yep. If Nimard doesn't come back, Fair. you have potential issues at the guard. But, but you see my point about this? Like, right. like if, if Florida is truly that program where, in your mind, they are a top-10 program, not a top-10 team, but a top-10 program, and they're behind Kentucky, North Carolina, Kansas on the whole job slate, like those, those guys are way ahead. If they're in that Michigan bracket, then I don't look at that, that, that non-conference schedule. I don't see anybody on there that should scare us. 
Like Florida State's probably the toughest opponent recently. Yeah. When you look at that. Unless you see one of the big boys in the tournaments that you're going to play in. And, look, I'm all for playing good competition. Like, last year I was excited about it. You play Oklahoma. You're playing Butler. You actually played Butler twice. You're playing all these teams. Michigan State. Yep. Florida lost, you know, three-fourths of those games, yep. which kind of put them behind the eight ball once the SEC st- uh, slate started. So we'll see. But, again, Mike White not backing away from competition. I love the fact. Uh, I believe they opened with UNF. So, and I love yeah, the do. fact that yep. the Ospreys get that opportunity again to go to Gainesville and uh, play the Gators in college basketball. Be here before you know it. It will be. It, absolutely. Speaking of schedules, something we haven't gotten to on Gator Bites. I know we've talked about it on XL Primetime. I'm sure you guys have mentioned it on the Sports Den. Future schedules for Gator football. Um, we know Colorado, right? We know Texas. They're starting to add some teams that 15, 20 years ago, heck, even five years ago, you never – would have seen on the Gator football schedule. Your reaction, and granted these games are still six, seven, eight years away, but your reaction to what Florida is doing by adding, you know, a Pac-12 team in Colorado with a home-and-home, a Big 12 team, a giant like Texas with a home-and-home. i got to tell you, I've talked to a lot of Gator fans, Denny. They all love it. They all think it's great. And I think it's great, too. I also thought playing Michigan in a neutral site was great until Michigan put a number on you, and then your season's in turmoil very, very quickly. I didn't count. That was Jim McElwain. Well, it was Jim McElwain. I get it. <laughs> Look, I'm excited about playing Texas. I know Gator fans are too. But that year you go to Austin, if you get a number put on you, you're 0-1 out of the gate, I think you're going to feel a little different. I want to see a study that games that are scheduled more than eight years out, how many of those actually happen? I want to see that. I I remember Georgia-Notre Dame back in, like, 2007 was scheduled for, what was it, 2017 and 2019 or whatever it was. And I'm thinking, that's a long time. Yeah. And then it's here. I I hear what you're saying. A lot of those games end up not being played. Like, this Texas thing, it took, I think, who'd they have to get out of, USF? Uh, I believe so, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's it's a lot of these games that get some hype. They end up not happening. Something happens that's so far out. Hell, we don't even – there's like less than a 10% chance that either one of these coaches will still be there when that game's played. Why is Florida falling behind, though? I mean, you see Florida State, they play really good non-conference opponents more times than not. Georgia, my goodness, the dogs play really good non-conference opponents more times than not. We know what Alabama does. We know what Auburn does. Why is Florida falling behind in that department? Because I think Florida's athletic department is – very in tune with what Florida fans want. And what Florida fans want is they want games at the Swamp. And and the, it's – But do they want Towson? Do they want Tennessee Martin? Okay, follow me here. Follow me here. Yeah. So, if I'm the Florida AD, there's no way in hell I'm scheduling these games. I don't care what all y'all say. Like, I'm not, I'm not doing it. Because I don't even know – I don't even know what my conference is going to look like in three years. I just know it's going to be hard. I just know it's going to be a really tough conference. So why am I going to go put Texas, who may or may not be a top-five program at that point, right? It's just the the risk is too great. I don't know what the playoff system is going to look like then. I don't know anything. I know absolutely nothing. And on top of that, these schools make a crap ton of money on these neutral site games. But Florida fans, I think, are a little different. I think Florida fans – Love playing in Gainesville. They love the swamp. Um, they they it's it's just not something. When I think of Florida, I don't think of going out west to play. I don't think, and maybe because this never happened. But if I would treat it the exact same way, if I was the AD, do I like it? Sure. Ask me in ten years. I believe. If I like it. What's the stat? They haven't played a non-conference road game, a quote real road game 
since Syracuse in like 91, Good. 92. I don't see why should the, they? The Kirby Dardar kickoff return for a touchdown. But why game. should they, Hack? Uh, like you got Miami going to play at Arkansas State. Well, uh, Crap I, like I, that. Well, like, I agree. And Miami's gone to App State. They've yeah. gone to Toledo. FAU. Yeah, and I agree. Th- those are dumb. Those are stupid. Do you think Florida Florida State played at USF a couple years ago? Yeah. Yeah, now, now, see, that I don't necessarily mind because that's almost like a home game for Florida State. There's 35,000 Seminoles in Tampa. You should never give up a game in Tallahassee at your base to go play at USF. But do you think Florida felt the pressure? What we're talking about now that Florida State and Georgia and Alabama were scheduling tougher opponents, did Florida succumb to the pressure? I don't think so. That's I think you follow the money. That's why we saw Michigan. That's why we saw Miami this year and now Colorado and Texas. I think you just follow the money, Hack. I, I, I think, like, if we really knew the money that's coming in from these games, then maybe – Maybe you probably say, "Yeah, okay, it makes a little bit of sense." I am, I am one hundred percent against these big games early on. I don't. All right, Miami fan, listen, and we got a couple of you in Jacksonville. Y'all can get mad at me if you want to. Miami's not a big game right now. I am more worried about Kentucky and Tennessee than I am Miami. Ooh, ooh. You know, Leon Searcy's right down the hall. I'll tell Leon you know, that. I give, have told Leon you want that. To give him your thoughts on that. <clears throat> it's just it. I it doesn't even. I think it's fun for the state. It's fun banter. Um, if you didn't have Leon on your show on XL Primetime, y'all wouldn't talk about it as much. Probably not. It, it's 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 to me. It's just not where Miami is as a program. No, I'm good. Now man. we we had Manny Diaz on XL Primetime last week, and Manny <sighs> Diaz came out and said he would like to see Miami and Florida on a yearly basis. Manny ain't even coached a game yet. Well, do you think we'll ever see that though? Do you think we'll ever see Hurricanes Gators, if not yearly, maybe every other year? I mean, I think it should be. State of Florida rivalry, I think it should be. Um, I'm not going to disrespect them like that. They're not UCF. Like they, they, I think they should be. But um, do I think it's going to happen? Probably not. Because I think if if it if it needed to happen, it would have already happened. Yeah. Because both both programs have been through glory years. It's not like they're both starting out. If it needed to happen, it would have already happened. I think, you know, this this cycle they're on now. It needs to happen more frequently. Yeah. Some good news for the Gators on the recruiting trail. Actually, if you go to 1010XL.com, a couple of things. The stories are up on both Jonathan Odom and Joel Williams, the two latest commitments for the University you, of Florida. You're on top of things, man. Hey, man. And I also did the uh, 1010XL.com uh, preps podcast. If you want to go to 1010XL.com, click on the preps podcast. You can hear the interviews with both Odom and and Williams. Uh, Jonathan Odom, if the name Odom sounds familiar, his old man, his father, Jason Odom, the former All-American offensive tackle at the University of Florida. I know you've probably about six, seven years ahead of the curve on me on this. When I see guys that I rooted for in the swamp as players now having kids turning 18 and becoming Gators themselves, you want to talk about just really, wow, I'm getting old. I remember Jason Odom blocking for Danny Warfel. 93, 94, 95, and now Jason Odom's son, Jonathan, a tight end, by the way, not a tackle, a tight end, six feet five, 255 pounds, plays at Tampa Jesuit High School, Mm -hmm. caught 17 touchdowns last year for the Gators. He, along with Joel Williams, and Williams, Denny, may be the more interesting one, and you're you're heavy into the recruiting. You talk to a lot of these kids. You hear the scuttlebutt. It's the third time in four years the Gators have gone to the state of Louisiana and got a four-star or higher defensive back. Brad Stewart in 2017, we all know what he did last year, the pick six against LSU. Chester Kimbrough in the 2019 class, and now they go into Baton Rouge and get Joel Williams away from LSU. Dan Mullen and the Gators putting a little foothold in Louisiana, getting some talent out of there. 
that normally they wouldn't have gotten five, ten years ago. Louisiana's kind of like Mississippi. Louisiana's always got good talent in it. Um, these next couple of years are really good for Louisiana. So I, I, I think there's a chance for multiple programs to, to go in there. Texas has done a good job in Louisiana. Yeah. Um, Texas A&M. Uh, Mississippi, the reason why I bring that up is the last couple years in Mississippi have been odd. Like They've been really good. Um, Louisiana's kind of hitting that uptick these next couple of years. So I think you will see teams pull from Louisiana. It's become a national recruiting thing, or at least a regional thing. Um, you don't want to make too many trips to California. Like it just it, it takes too much time. It takes too many resources out. But Louisiana's easy. I mean, that's an easy recruit. And here's the other thing, satellite camps. Right. Is now – you know, we're getting into camp season, so I use – if I told you, like, the biggest camp in the area is Mercer, would that surprise you? It will, yeah, well, though you mentioned it, no. But, yeah, before okay. and it would have. So, Mercer's going to have – June 1st, they're going to have 22 to 3,000 – 2,200 to 3,000 kids wow. on the Mercer University campus with 45 different schools there. Mm-hmm. And so, now you're talking about guys like Penn State. You're talking big blue blood programs are going to be all at Mercer. And so a lot of these satellite camps allow you to go put eyes on guys um, that you probably wouldn't have seen before. You at least wouldn't have offered. You know, you'd know a lot of these coaches. How do they divvy up responsibility? If you're the Gators, obviously Tampa, Orlando, Jacksonville, Miami, that goes without saying. But is there a guy in charge of Mississippi? Yeah. Is there a guy in charge of Louisiana? How mm-hmm. far does the outreach go? Yeah, it, it changes each year. It'll change each year, so it'll it'll change based on the landscape. But – like, it'll be a consistent coach in Louisiana or Mississippi that establishes those relationships with the high schools. I don't know, you know, California, all that kind of stuff. I think that's probably based on the talent pool yeah. that they really are interested in out in Arizona, California, all that. But, but no, there's a coach that makes the rounds every spring and every February around Mississippi and Texas and Louisiana, and he establishes those relationships with coaches. And that's really – when you see coaching changes at the college level, that's the biggest thing it affects is now I'm a head coach at Cedar Hill High School in Texas, and I'm used to seeing this person come in from the University of Florida, and crap, now all of a sudden he's coming in and he's with Tennessee. Mm-hmm. right? That, that's the biggest thing those coaches, coaching changes affect. But to answer your question directly, yeah, there's somebody that regularly visits those schools. It is a tough job. Like People think that college coaching is fun. A lot of travel, man. Bro, I mean, you're talking about they're going to see 20, 20 schools in a day. Yeah, yeah. And Leon Searcy, who's on with XL Primetime with us, he was the O-line coach at FIU That's right. yep. for a while. And he tells us stories about, you're talking, yeah, I mean, he only covered really the state of Florida, but he's all over Tampa, Orlando, mm-hmm. Clearwater, Miami, trying to find talent to come to FIU. Uh, real quick, Joel Williams told me a great story. Um, he mentioned a water balloon fight that he had with Dan Mullen on his unofficial. You would be amazed at what some of these coaches will do to get these kids. But here's a four-star kid, a top 250 player nationally, talking to a guy like me, covering it for the media for, for 1010XL, singling out Dan Mullen and he having a water balloon yeah. fight as one of the reasons why he likes Dan Mullen so it's much. It's so crazy to go to these campuses and everything that you see revolves around the strategy of attracting 17-year-old yeah. kids to your school. It's it, it really is. You sit there and you go, they are pouring millions of dollars and doing weird things like taking pictures like we've seen you know Dan Mullen do that's completely outside of his personality just to attract 17-year-old guys, and they're doing it all over the place. You know, Final moments here on Gator Bites on the 1010XL.com podcast network, also on 1010XL's Florida Gator 
Facebook page. Appreciate you guys for hanging out with us this week. Um, there was a lot of negativity surrounding the University of Florida. Jalen Jones, Chris Steele, everything that went on with all that. We talked last week about Trevon Grimes and Jacob Copeland kind of changing the narrative a little bit, talking a little trash to other people on Twitter, trying to get the Gator uh, way, the Gator standard back, if you will. Now these young men, Odom and Williams, commit to the University of Florida. Do you get a sense that the tide has turned a little bit and the Gators, maybe the arrow is starting to point back up? Yeah, the new cycle. Yeah, I, I think everybody goes through it. If you, That would be an interesting thing to track each year is, is what – Whose turn is it? Georgia was in the news cycle a couple months ago with, what was it, four or five arrests in a week. Right? I mean, it's just – and a lot of times this stuff you cannot control as a coach. It's not – it's not a discredit to your program. It's 18, 19, 20-year-old guys. They're going to be indecisive. They're going to make stupid mistakes. Hell, I made them at that age. You made them at that age. We all made them at that age. We all make them now. So it's just one of those things. It just gets – I think it gets blown out of proportion sometimes. But – Florida still ranked sixth yeah. in recruiting. Even after all that's happened, they're still sixth in recruiting, a solid sixth, meaning they haven't – it's not like they have 20 commits that's getting them there. I think they have 12, right? So I, they're fine, man. I, I think you win this year, and this whole Gator standard thing picks up even more steam. You take a step back, and that's going to be the bigger story. You get Denny every night on the Sports Den, 1010XL and 92.5 FM, favorite part of the week. What's coming up on the sports den? No idea. <laughs> Just come in and throw some things together. That's huh? it. That's it. All right. Every night, uh, tonight through the rest of the week, and obviously on Monday night, you'll get him uh, 7 o'clock. Actually, uh, 9 o'clock to 11. 9 to 11. 9 to 11. Stay up with us. With the sports den, Denny Thompson and big game James Coleman. You can catch me on XL Primetime alongside Matt Hayes, Leon Searcy, and Joe Cowart from noon to 3, Monday through Friday. Denny, you're the man. We'll do it next week. Appreciate it, man. That is Denny Thompson. I'm the hacker, Ryan Green. Thank you for listening and watching Gator Bites, 1010XL.com, Podcast Network.